I just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. I'm, I'm laughing because I, I like to watch my guests kind of you know, groove into the music when I kick that off. <laughs> Today's guest is no different because you know what? She has real joy in her life, and I, and I think that it allows her to dance a little bit. But you know what? That's wasn't always the case. You, you see in the church, uh, you hear these stories. I could name names. I'm not interested in, in naming names and picking on people. Uh, but you see Christian leaders fail, and you wonder sometimes, you know, what is going on? Because we see how gifted they are. They, you're a great speaker usually, you know, and you go, well, some deep insight. I've seen, I've heard some of the best things from some of the worst people in a sense because people are people. They, they, they fail. Well, Today's guest has walked through it. In fact, she talks about it very openly in a book called The Most Beautiful Disaster. It's available wherever you get books. It's written by Hope Carpenter, the co-founder of Redemption Church out in Greenville, uh, South Carolina. That's South Carolina, right? Not North Carolina. I, I get my Carolinas mixed up. And has campuses in San Jose, California, and, and all over the place. One of these, what we call mega churches, because there's a lot, of, a lot of people. And, man, I, what... I love about her and her story is, you know, there's there's no pretense because she has she's she's walked through hell and and back and drug other people with her and and she knows that so I'm interested to hear her story in more detail and I'm glad that you're with us. Uh, chat is open and you guys are here. Great to see you, Sharon, Judy, Deborah. You guys jump in if you want to be a part of the conversation. We appreciate you guys. Hope, welcome to the program. Appreciate you being here on Life Today. Thank you so much for having me. It's really an honor. I mean, life today, goodness gracious, y'all were just icons. And uh, the the legacy and heritage that you have just has to feel really good in your heart. Uh, <laughs> Most so days, you. some days it feels a little heavy. You know how that is, though, right? Yeah. No, it's great. Um, and people that are online are like, what, what is she talking about? It's a show on Christian television. It's some other networks. It's been on for a long time. This is an extension of that program. We call it Life Today Live. But hope I, I'm really, I want people to hear your story uh, because it's a tough one. Uh, and I, you know, if I were you, I would probably would have been like, that that chapter's done in my life. Let's move on. But you, you still talk about it. Uh, and I'm sure there are reasons why, but take, take us through you know, what you've been through. Absolutely. And so many people tell me that. They say, you know, I would have just kind of buried my head. I would have tried to just move on. Mm -hmm. But when I was going through, and I will go back and say what we're talking about, but when I was going through it, when I was going through restoration in my life in 2013, when I was going through deep, deep healing, and I took a year away from my family. I took away a year away from ministry and submitted myself to another ministry, Living Waters Ministry in North Carolina, which God used to help save my life. And um, God told me in that process, he spoke to me with Joseph's story, um, Genesis 50, 20, when he looked at his brothers, you know, when they came to get food, when they were starving, when there was a famine in the land and 
Joseph had been through so much. He'd been, you know, betrayed by his brothers and thrown in a pit and thrown in prison and then uh, accused uh, falsely and thrown in prison again. And, and he was innocent. And I'm sure he probably looked into heaven and wondered, what on earth is going on? I've done none of this. But then in Genesis 50, at the end of the story, 50, 20, when his brothers needed him, he said, you meant evil toward me. And we usually, preachers usually take that and say the devil meant evil, but it, he looked at his brothers, you specifically meant evil. He said, but God, and that's what God told me. He said, your story is going to be a but God. The comma after that was, and for the salvation of many. Hmm. God told me, he said, Hope, I'm going to use your story to help pull other people out of their pit to take the blinders off their eyes, to take the mask off their face from walking around fake, bleeding while leading. And I want, I want you to let me use your story to help other people get free. And I say, God, if that's what I have to do, if I have to bear my soul and my sin and my brokenness, you know, so other people can get free, I'll do it. And what God has done, what God has done, just continues to blow my mind. Yeah. Wow. So the story. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I appreciate you sharing it. And here's the thing. You know, on the Internet here, a wide range of people stumble in yeah. over a long period of time. And I'm certain just because of the odds of the numbers, I'm not like some, you know, somebody that's living a double life that's running from the the light and struggling they're suffering they're miserable right now is watching and yeah. they're, they're going to hear what you say so what would you what would you tell them as you tell your story yeah. and the things you learned I'm, I'm so grateful that that we get to reach i'm thankful for the internet i'm so thankful for the reach of it and how it helps people so thank you again for having me mm -hmm. But um, I was raised in a Christian home, very uh, traditional Southern Baptist little girl in a little tiny town, Calhoun Falls, South Carolina, thousand people. If that, we had a flashing light. <laughs> <laughs> it never changed from yellow. And um, I mean, just very traditional uh, Southern values. Um, my parents, when I turned 12, we started going to the Pentecostal Holiness Church. I thought I had died and gone to heaven, diametrically opposed, very different from the way, you know, the church we were going to. Very strict home. Very, 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 very strict home. Um, I couldn't go to sock hops and parties, <laughs> you know, sleepovers and yeah. the normal things because my parents wanted me to be a good girl and not get in trouble and strict to them today some probably would be abuse uh you know the way i was punished and spanked and blood running down my legs mm. and punched in the face and mm. that type of thing um, and it was hard for me as a little girl to to reconcile that with then seeing my parents in church too who loved the lord but then being treated this way. So, you know, as a kid, when you're treated that way, when you get in trouble, it automatically sets up patterns that you're going to lie to stay out of trouble. So it set up a lot of patterns in me to lie 
when I would be confronted, afraid, to, to not be in trouble. That's That happened so long, it lasted for a very long time in my life. Mm. I was raped when I was 15. Mm. I never could tell my parents that I was raped because I would be the one who was in trouble. Yeah. And so I carried that in my heart. Mm. But the whole time I loved the Lord, you know, I was saved when I was eight. And I was the girl who had the scriptures in her locker, you know, at, in high school. I was that girl who just really wanted I knew God had his hand on me for something. Didn't know what. I went to Emmanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia, and was a music major. And that's where I met my college sweetheart. We got married in 1990, Ron Carpenter. And um, so he was going to be in the ministry. And I thought just because my last name changed and my address changed that everything would be different. Mm. We set off into ministry and never dealt with any of my pain, never dealt with any of the anxiety, the rape, the abuse, none of it. And um, it started manifesting in me. I started with a lot of anxiety, didn't know why, because I loved my husband. I loved my life, started having children, didn't know why I was miserable. Just stuff started just. And so then I started questioning myself, am I crazy? Is something wrong with me? You know, why am I feeling this way? Everything looks great on the outside, but inside I'm dying. Mm. And about 35 years old, I remember I woke up one day and I said, you know what? I can't live like this anymore. I didn't know what that meant. But I went that day and I did three just horrible carnal things. <laughs> so the church would say. I went and bought a bikini bathing suit. Oh, I went and bought a six pack of beer. Oh, oh my gosh. And I bought three secular CDs. <laughs> <laughs> Put on my bikini, drank my beer and listened to my secular CDs. And do you know, for the first time in my life, I felt peace. Wow. Because it was the first time that I, I was able to make a decision for myself. Now, after many years of counseling, <laughs> I have realized that what you're supposed to go through at 12, 13, 15, 16 mm. in the safety of your home is called individuation, where you're supposed to learn to individuate and, you know, touch your fingers to the stove, so to speak, and get burned. You're like, oh, I shouldn't do that. Mm. I never got those choices. I never were, was allowed. It was so strict. It was so anxiety filled. So at 35, I started my own process of individuation. And that led me down nine years of living a double life. Um, people say, why didn't you just go all out? Why didn't you leave Ron? Because I loved Ron. Mm. I loved the Lord. I loved church. I loved my what I was doing. I just had so many problems on the inside of me that I had never dealt with. So that put more weight, more burden on me than nine years because of trying to balance that. Yeah. Well, I was unfaithful to my husband mm. and nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to be unfaithful. Nobody wakes up one day and says, I'm going to destroy my family. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was one bad decision to the next bad decision, the wrong group, being at the place you shouldn't be, you know, the company you keep. And so in 2013, I said, I can't live like this anymore. And I came to Ron, told him everything he had suspected. We'd been fighting, you know, my skirts were shorter. I was acting ways I had never seen before. 
And I came to him in 2013 and just told him everything. And I thought he was going to say, I'm going to fix this. You know, everything's fine. And he said, you got 30 minutes. Get your stuff and get out. Oh. And do you know that thus the title of the book, The Most Beautiful Disaster, to the world, it was horrible. To the church world, it was horrible. And do you know we were the number three top Christian story that year. And how sad, you know, how sad, all the great things that the church had done and everything we'd done had never been highlighted, but let that happen. And it goes viral. But I left that day and I drove to Living Waters Ministry, the place we send the other broken people to in the church. You know, (laughs) all the other years I was in charge, we send the broken people there. So that's where I went. And I said, you know what, God? I said, I've got a choice. You know, Ron was wanting to divorce. He said, you know, we're we're divorcing. It's over. I love you, but I can't live with you. Mm-hmm. And I said, God, if you never heal my marriage, if you never, if I never hold a microphone again, I need you to heal me. And that's where my healing started. And and you know what? That's maybe one of the most important things people need to hear right now because the the natural reflex for most people is to save the stuff the the title even the family even even good things right the church the family all those things uh and and when we do that we're missing the most important thing uh which is what you did okay i have a a couple of questions because let's be honest it would be real easy to go look you were raised in a hyper legalistic home where they had rules that were extra biblical, uh, and and they were abusive, so they weren't even doing the things that are in the Bible, right? Um, of course, you'd run from that. You should run from that, right? How how did you not just go look? The church is awful. They're a bunch of hypocrites. I've seen the worst of the worst. I don't want anything to do with that. You know, I think, and I could cry talking about it because. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, he who has been forgiven much Mm. loves much. And I think when you go through something like I went through, you'd look at people different. And I didn't look at people as, you know, you did this to me or you're hypocritical. Now I can see people through the eyes of brokenness Mm. because I'm sure there were people who looked at me as a hypocrite, you know, who didn't trust me and it took years to rebuild trust. But now I can't, when I see people who do whatever or have an affair or fall off the cart or, you know, all the things, all the things, um, I just, I know they're broken and I know that they need a healer. And I know that the only person who can do that is Jesus. And I had been serving him my whole life. But until I came to him in my chains and my brokenness and fell at him that way, instead of coming to him to perform for him, to be good enough for him, that is not what he wants from us. Mm -hmm. He wants all the dirty. He wants all the ugly. We don't get cleaned up before we come to him. We come to him just like we are. And and it's just like healing's like peeling a layer of onion back one at a time. It's a lifelong process. It's not a one day we get all cleaned up. Yay, we're all clean now. Right. No, it's a daily thing. 
It is a daily thing. He'll never be clean till we stand before him, you know? Yeah, and at the same time, he declares us clean in him, but that requires that daily living in him. It does. Uh It does. Yeah, okay, next question, and I want to circle back to the, what we do with people who are hypocrites, which they are. I mean, I mean, because they're saying one thing and doing another. And but with Ron, when when he reacted not the way you thought he would, um, what was going on with him at at the time? Was was he just angry and hurt, and that's how he reacted, or do you think that he was doing exactly what God needed done with you? I think God uses all of that. He, he uses it all. Okay. Um, and I think God needed that to happen to me. That's why I named the book The Most Beautiful Disaster. You know, it was horrible. Mm. Um, but I I had to hit rock bottom. I had to, Ron could not be my savior. If I, if Ron, when I went to him in 2013 and he had fixed it or, you know, covered it up or whatever, however, he would have done it. Who knows? Um, I would have never gotten to the to the bottom mm. of my heart. I would have never gotten to living waters. I might have gone a couple of times, but I would have never been at the bottom to where I had nothing. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't. I didn't even have money. I was fired from church. I had no health insurance. I was taken off all the paperwork of founder of the of the church. Mm. I had to start completely over and a lot of people think that's harsh, yeah. but God used it all for me. And I think now, you know, everything's out in the open. I can be extremely honest and God can use you know, some people need that. Some people need, some people have a very high pain tolerance, and obviously I did. Mm, yeah. <laughs> and so I think until the rug is completely jerked out from under us, sometimes we don't do the hard work. That's interesting because you know others would say, "No, no, no, love covers a multitude of sin." Right? Uh, he should have just forgiven you on the spot and helped restore you because God can restore, and He can't, obviously. Um, then we should never spank our children and we should never well, discipline so, our kids, you know? Some, uh, some would agree with the first part, but the discipline I get. I get. Right. You know, but he chastens those he yeah. loves. The, and that's, see, okay, and that's what it goes back to for me is there's, it's not, we want, to be, we want it to be formulaic, right? Uh, we want it to be as painless as possible. But God's ultimate goal was deeper than protecting you from, the current pain that you were admitting to it was it was to get to the root how hard was it to, to deal with the roots Ooh, it's the hardest thing i've ever done hmm. i've had three children i've had many surgeries i have uh gotten several degrees i'm talking about like hard mental work physical work um that deep spiritual and emotional soulish man work it was morning every single day, five days a week, um, dealing with every incident that I could bring up as far as I could remember. We went all the way back and dealt with every single thing we could. I, I remember days of writing boards 
all around this big den where I had to write down every hurt and pain that I could ever remember, words spoken over me, bullied at school, um, parents' words, spank, harsh spankings. I mean, just every single thing I could remember. And then I had to dig to what lie did you believe when that happened to you? Mm-hmm. You know, that I'm not worthy, that I'm not good enough. You know, the time I had to take a toothbrush and scrub the toilets and scrub the floors when I was seven and eight years old with Comet all day. And then come, they would come and find one speck and I'd have to do it again and couldn't play all day. What you believe about yourself, Hope, when that happened? I, I believe that I wasn't appreciated. You know, well, why do a good job? Because you're, you're not going to be appreciated and it's not going to be valued anyway. Mm-hmm. That carried out into my life. It set up patterns in me to where I would just give up. And I wouldn't even try, you know, I didn't feel supported or secure. And that led throughout my life till 43 years old. How, how do you, how do you look at your parents now and, and those around you? Because that, that was abusive. I think we, we should say that. It how, is. What do you do with that? We have gone through so much counseling. My parents are 80 now and the last 11 years has been the most beautiful hmm. years I've ever experienced with my parents. Wow. Um, I've had so many people say, you know, how can you, how can you be so loving and how can you always want to do something for your parents or be that, you know, I spent the night with them last night and <laughs> we sat up together and we watched my fight to win, uh, you know, live broadcast, the broadcast we did. I mean, and they just sat there and cried and just looked at me and said, I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of what God's done in you. And I mean, they went to counseling with me. Okay. We sat down and, and, and took the lid off the family secrets. I, I remember sitting down and saying, somebody has lied to me all this time. And we are going to dig to the bottom of the lies. And you're going to tell me why you're going to tell me, who had a problem with infidelity? Who had a problem with abuse? Who had a problem? I mean, we're gonna we're gonna rip this off of this bandaid off, and we're we're gonna get whole I'm, in our family. I'm I'm guessing, and we don't need the details, but I'm guessing that that a lot of that that you endured was passed down. Absolutely, it always is. Uh, we don't just get our blue eyes or our blonde hair from our parents. We get our, their proclivities and their temper and mm-hmm. their soulish their actions Mm. did they ask for forgiveness yes Mm. in tears Mm. was that hard for you no Mm. absolutely i said absolutely i love you yeah all i ever wanted was to please you to love you to have a good relationship with you so how how long was your your process to be able to live in the world again (laughs) well i lived at living waters for nine and a half months straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, during that time, Ron and obviously we're married. We've been married. <laughs> you know, we'll be married. Uh, I know, isn't it crazy? Uh, 34 years uh, this year yeah. and um, happier than ever. But we, I slipped there almost a year and we worked on our marriage. We did family counseling once a month uh, during that time. And then I moved back home and I would drive up to North Carolina once a month and stay a week for another year. Wow. I didn't go back on staff for two years. Um, 
I didn't have a car or cell phone for two years Hmm. because I wanted to prove not that he made me or took it away. I wanted, it's called restitution. I wanted to give back more than I owed. Hmm. That's part of building trust. Hmm. And I wanted to do whatever it took, you know, to, to establish what God had done in my life and to help my husband trust me. Hmm. And from his part, I mean, how hard was it for him? Because I mean, that's a that's a deep betrayal that, that he's having to walk through. I mean, he's got his own disaster to deal with. Right. It took us, really, it took us about three years yeah. um, to be, to jail. You know, really to, to jail and to be okay and to not be suspicious and offended and Sure. And, you know, I mean, you think you're fine. And then I have a chapter in my book called Forgiveness from Every Angle. And, you know, he forgave me for the infidelity. But then what if you're watching a movie and somebody's being unfaithful? You yeah. know, that triggers yeah. something. And I could see that in him. And we just had to really work through a lot for many years. Um, Deborah online says forgiveness is more powerful than trauma. Do you agree with that? I believe forgiveness releases you, you, the person who has been offended, but trauma has got to be dealt with because trauma will keep you from living the abundant life that God has called us to. Yeah, no doubt. We can have. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think it's a forgiveness is obviously a key component, um, but it's a process. So here. Well, OK, I will say for anybody wanting to know more about the details, you need to pick up the most beautiful disaster because we're just not going to be able to get into all the day to day kind of process that, that uh, Hope has walked through uh, as well as her husband and their children and the church. I mean, there's a, there's a lot there. I think what we want to do today is to let you know that one redemption is possible restitution is possible but the the goal the goal is even in deeper than that those are those are fruits of getting open and honest with god and here's one question that i that i have for you because it i mean you're talking years right this is a years long process i think most people after six months would be like look i've done i've done it yeah let me give me the cell phone again let me have a car how critical was it for your rest restoration of relationships and yourself to submit to a healthy authority because see I, even the idea of submitting to you know authority religious authorities to me would be traumatic because of what you grew up with but there's there's you, i don't know how did you how did you even reconcile was, okay i'm going to submit to these religious people again in order to be made whole they loved me to like me. Mm. The day I showed up at Living Waters, they didn't ask me, who have you been with? How long has this been? It wasn't that approach. They came, they gave me a bedroom, they cooked me dinner, they let me sleep. And they never ask about the fruit. You know, the fruit is the, the symptoms They just wanted to get to the root. They literally loved me back to life. And it's like a lodge. It's like a home. They live there. 
And they say we're hurt in a home, so you need to heal in a home. Mm, wow, wow! It was it, it's it was a beautiful, beautiful experience for me. So here's one other question, just related to this, because you know we we do see leaders who fail. Um, there's some out there that are failing right now that we just don't know about yet, and not everybody knows about. I mean, this 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 situation of hypocrisy but just humanity is right. is not going away way soon how how should we deal with leaders who are not living right you know that's a really hard question and i don't know that i have the answers <laughs> because i mean you know how do you you can't make anybody do anything until somebody is ready and it's almost like like a what is the alcoholics anonymous you know i am hope i'm an alcoholic i wasn't an alcoholic but i had to admit x y and z i did it take ownership of it and until people are willing to take ownership of their issues and their sin and their hypocrisy and their failures you know if they're always blaming they're not ready mm. And I believe it is if you're a church person listening and you know your leader has issues and repeated issues over and over and over, I just, I don't know why people would sit under that. I believe you need to get up under healthy leadership because what's at the head does flow down. The Bible says that a student will become like their teacher. Mm. It doesn't say that you will get what the teacher says. It says you will actually become like them. Ooh, yeah. And so that same spirit is transferring and flowing in that house, whatever church you go to. You just need to get out from under people that you, you know are completely in rebellion and refuse to take ownership. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you've, you've made a mistake, I admit it. I'm going to stay there and support my pastor. I'm watching him get restoration or watching her get restoration. That's another thing. Right. But 100% just absolute rebellion and I'm going to do whatever I want and nobody can hold me accountable. Yeah. I think that's the only thing we can do is pray for them and leave. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what? Maybe pull, maybe pull the rug out from under a minute in a sense. I, I think the key here. In, when you're dealing with situations like that, and I'll make this brief, is that there's two ways we can we can go at it. One, we can go to destroy the person, or we can go to what happened to you, which is love them back to life. And when you're loving someone back to life, and you feel like God's telling you, yeah, I mean, kick them out, then that may be the best thing for them. But when you're when you're wanting revenge, or when you're coming in with uh, judgment, you know, a judgmental attitude, uh, whole, I'm better than you. Clearly you're the hypocrite here. I don't, we all have been. We all right, have right, right. Uh, and, and so, you know, I've seen this cause I've, I've been around it my whole life because <laughs> when, right. when pastors get in trouble, they would come to my dad my whole life, you know, right. and there's two ways in, in it, but in, in order to restore somebody, you, you have to, in a sense, love, love them back, but they also have to repent. They, they have do. to consent Turn to authority the other way. and they have to take the time to heal. Yeah. And it is time. It is. It is. Okay. I want to show people something real quick. 
uh, because you have some resources for people that need these. Uh, and one of them is this website of Hope's Inner Circle. And I, you know, when you run this URL, URL together, it kind of says Hope Center Circle. I did a double take on that one, <laughs> which is, you know, hey, that is. We are. We all, we all do, don't we? We all are, and and now, and you know, and it's you know, it, it's interesting because we you hear sermons, snippets, and things like that, and you go, oh yeah, we're sons and daughters, yes, but the thing is, we we come as and the nice versions say servants, but the literal word uh, doulos, I believe in the Greek, we come as slaves, mm. and a slave has no rights; their life right. is not their own. That's why it's horrible when man is a slave over another man. But when we come to God and say, it is all yours, my life is not my own, that's when he raises us up as sons and daughters. Oh, and we want to go straight to the sons and daughters part and claim our heir like the prodigal son did, you know, give me my inheritance now. Yeah. That doesn't work. Anyway, tell us about Hope's Inner Circle. Uh, you know, when I came back and restoration is full and I'm thriving and God puts all my heart to do this book and the I have been preaching my whole life in church at women's conferences, events, and but God has put such a burden on my heart because of what I've been through that you cannot do deep work like that. And I still go to churches. I still go to preach women's events, do things like that all the time. But I really want to help people. And the only way you can do that is get involved in their life. And I, I felt like if I could do something to where I could create a family, where I could create a circle, to where I could be in their face. And I do that twice a month. We have mentoring uh, one-hour sessions twice a month. And then I bring in other great men and women of God and Darius Daniels, Real Talk Kim, my husband, John Maxwell, Christine Kane. All of these people are my friends, and they speak into the life of the circle. And uh, we have meetups, and I send weekly emails, and we have a private Facebook group where we get in there and we talk about issues and we have prayer requests and it has been so fulfilling to me. I get, you know, reports all the time of how great it is for them. But for me, it just makes me feel like I'm doing what God's called me to do. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Well, um, people can go to that website there if you feel like you need to be a part of it. And look, if your life is a disaster, you know it. The rest of the world may not know it, but you don't know. Uh, you you know it. You, you you live it. And the beauty of what Hope is talking about is that word beautiful. And, and when you lay it all down, God can turn even the worst disaster into something beautiful. And so I would encourage you, don't don't do anything else until you, you start down this, whatever, whatever that looks like. And it probably means talking to somebody that can be trusted. Uh, and, and opening up. Uh, but Hope, thank you so much. Thank you for being so open and honest. Um, hmm. Keep on. Keep on doing it. You're, yes, sir. Well, let me get the last, last thing. I'm guessing that by now, we're, you know, 10 years plus into this, your openness and your honesty has given permission for a lot of other people to open up and be honest. Have you seen some pretty powerful things take place? You wouldn't believe it. <laughs> you, it's like we're the ones people call. We're the, we're the couple that ministries call, that pastors call when something's going on in their life. Or 
you know, we're, we have a marriage conference every year. It's actually next week in Greenville, South Carolina. And mm. they just, it just gets flooded because, you know, they see the work that God's done yeah. in our life and in our marriage. And um, it's, yes, we're, we see that God is using the story and that just, it just kind of gives you that spiritual B12 shot. Absolutely. Well, yeah, and, and you know what it says? It says to me, this is not a one-off thing. So if you're out there and you're in, you're at that place that Hope was at of undealt with pain, uh, hypocrisy in your own life, I confess my start today. Appreciate you guys being here. Uh, appreciate everybody online. No if you haven't liked or followed or subscribed, I would invite you to do that. You'll get notification of more good interviews like this. And we'll see you again next time here on Life Today Live. I just come as a bankrupt sinner. Saying, Lord, have mercy on me.